0: There's a difference between being an overrated football player and being an overrated fantasy asset. No better example than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is a grossly overrated fantasy asset, but I would argue is an underrated football player. And those instances are fascinating to me. I love Derrick Henry in Dynasty because DeMarco Murray... Has no guarantees for 2018 to 2019. Zero guaranteed money. I mean, he's gone. We know DeMarco Murray is gone after the season. It's going to be the Derrick Henry show. But in the meantime, Derrick Henry's a backup running back. He has no role. And he's behind a durable running back. I know DeMarco Murray is perceived as an injury-prone, in quotes, running back. He's not. DeMarco Murray's missed a couple games in the last three years that I can remember. And when he does get hurt, he typically plays hurt less efficiently, but still at an RB1 level. I don't understand where Derrick Henry fits in. I don't know why he's being drafted in the first 10 rounds of fantasy drafts. I don't get it. But on the other end of the spectrum, I also don't understand this notion that we don't know whether or not Derrick Henry is good. Why you got to go there? Why are you going to say that? It's just wrong that was Mike Clay's analysis. A, Derrick Henry has no role. Agree. Agree with that. I agree. And then he drives his truck right into the ditch by saying, we're not even sure Derrick Henry is good. He could pull a booker this year. The fuck out of here. What kind of analysis is that? How can someone say that? Much less a preeminent figure in fantasy football. I mean... How? We know why Devontae Booker underperformed last year. The Denver Broncos offensive line posted a 77.9 run-blocking efficiency grade on playerprofiler.com. 26th in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Tennessee Titans project to have a top five run-blocking unit this season. So we're never going to see Derrick Henry experience a Devontae Booker-like setback ever. For no other reason than the offensive line. But beyond that, if we zoom out and we look at these players, Derrick Henry is good. He's definitively good. Why? Because unlike Mike Clay, I go back to a player's college career to determine whether or not he's good. I don't rely on single season rookie year samples with less than 200 carries. It's simply unfair to judge a player based on less than 200 carries at the NFL level and ignore his college career. But that's the Mike Clay modus operandi. It's maddening to see this because we know Derrick Henry is great definitively end of story at the preeminent college football program alabama derrick henry posted a 43.5 percent dominator rating 90th percentile with all the talent that alabama attracts on both sides of the football they decided in 2015 they were going to feed derrick henry and only feed derrick henry And he delivered with an exceptional college dominator and above average yards per carry. And when he was fed in the passing game, which was rare, he posted a very high yards per reception as well. Then he went to the NFL scouting combine and was the fastest, burstiest player we've ever seen weighing 245 pounds at the running back position. Derrick Henry is an unprecedented running back talent. But Mike Clay's not sure if he's even good. (laughs) He fuck out of here! And he's already dismissed Devontae Booker. Yes, yeah, so Devontae Booker can't possibly be good. Why? Because Devontae Booker posted a 3.5 yards per carry as a rookie in under 200 carries, and therefore he's bad. Even though he was betrayed by an inefficient offense led by Trevor Simeon and one of the league's worst run-blocking offensive lines. No, 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 no. We know he's bad. We know he's bad. <clears throat> He was top 30 in receptions among running backs last year as a part-time player. But we know he's bad. We know he's bad. Devontae Booker is one of the best receiving backs in that 220-pound running back cohort. 14.3% college target share at Utah, 91st percentile. Most of the running backs that post a college target share above the 90th percentile are small. They're scat backs. They're 200 pounds. They're Christian McCaffrey. They're Giovanni Bernard. They're Theo Riddick. They're not Devontae Booker standing 5'11", weighing 219 pounds. Devontae Booker also posted a 40% dominator rating at Utah. So he was used in all phases, and he was effective in all phases. He has a profile similar to LaShawn McCoy, only bigger. You know, LaDainian Tomlinson posted a 3.6 yards per carry as a rookie. Matt Forte's yards per carry was under four as a rookie. Le'Veon Bell's yards per carry was under four as a rookie. Not every running back is Ezekiel Elliott drafted in the top 10 by one of the league's most efficient offenses with one of the best run blocking offensive lines. Sorry, every running back can't be Ezekiel Elliott, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead and dismiss Devontae Booker. Go ahead. Go ahead and dismiss Derrick Henry because it's true. We don't know for sure how good these players are. We haven't seen them play enough at the professional level to say that. But that's the case with most running backs. It's rare that we have a running back that logs enough carries where we can definitively say, you are good, you are bad. Hell, we're not even sure how good Jeremy Hill is. We're pretty sure he's bad. We're not positive. And he's logged well over 500 carries at the professional level. And last year, one of the strongest advocates for Derrick Henry was Ray Summerlin from Roto Worlds. So we're going to have Ray Summerlin on. We'll ask him to forecast the future for DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. And then later, a few days from now, we'll be releasing the Sonic Truth podcast with Evan Silva. It's Roto World Week on Roto Underworld Radio. And we'll ask Evan about Derrick Henry as well. And we'll also ask him about Devonte Booker. But even in a best ball environment, I'm not drafting Derrick Henry in a seasonal league. I just can't. I just can't. Not even in best ball. Not even the format which encourages you to chase the upside. Not even then. We are experiencing a revolution in best ball leagues at this very moment because I downloaded the draft app. Go to playdraft.com or go to your app store and just type in draft and download the draft app. Go to the football contest lobby and there you will see best ball fast drafts. Yes, yes, finally, finally, we are saved from the tyranny of the slow draft. The draft app is here to save us from the excruciating misery of the fantasy football slow draft. It's the innovation of the year, the mobile best ball fast draft. I'm looking at the lobby right now. I can join a 12-person fast draft. I can join a 10-person fast draft. I can join an 8-person fast draft. So you get to enjoy all the benefits of the Draftmaster best ball format without suffering through the pain of a slow draft or ever sitting in front of a computer to draft. It's just right on your phone throughout the day. You draft and you're done. Easy. Download the Draft app now, enter the promo code UNDERWORLD, and join the revolution. I'm going to join a draft right now. But before I push the button, I want to talk to Ray Summerlin. Follow him at r m summerlin on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld radio program, Ray Summerlin. Ray Summerlin and I had one of the best shows in 2016. He's back for a second run at it in 2017.
1: He's one of the big dogs at Roto World. Raymond Sutherland, talk to me. Were you preparing there for your Mike and the Mad Dog impression for the 30 for 30 that's coming up? Talk to me. Is that a Mike and the Mad Dog thing? <laughs> that sounded like a good Mad Dog impression right there. Oh, do
0: they say talk to me? That's my signature. That's your signature? Oh, yeah. That's my signature
1: opening. The voice there, though. That voice is really what I'm looking at.
0: Talk to me. So I do drop the voice at the beginning. <laughs> that's a thing. That's a thing that I do. And then eventually it gets squeakier and squeakier and squeakier as the show goes along <laughs> more and more shrill and obnoxious as the show continues forward and I get more and more angst ridden generally is what happens <laughs> and frustrated the Zoloff wears off <laughs> and in the last week I've been incredibly frustrated talking about Derek Carr because Derek Carr signed a mega contract he's now the highest paid player in the NFL for now for now does he deserve to be the highest paid player is he the best young quarterback for example
1: a no, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be the highest paid player. Like I don't put much stock into that stuff because this is just how the system works. Like it's like you yelling at gravity for hap- to happening. It's like that's what yelling about a quarterback becoming the highest paid player right. is and people are going to get upset whenever it happens to Stafford in a few weeks. And whenever Cousins gets paid next year, people will be upset about it. Stafford. He's about to get an even bigger contract, I would imagine. You know, Matt Ryan, I think is going to be a free agent in 2019. He's going to get a huge deal. Wow, that's going to be mega. Wow, it's going to be. It's he's definitely going to be the highest paid. You know, Aaron Rodgers at some point is going to get paid. Obviously, that's different because he actually deserves the money. (laughs) But I think that this idea that we're going to get mad about players, you know, getting money, it just doesn't bother me because a players should make more money in general. That's just that's just a and and b quarterbacks that can help you win Super Bowls are, are extremely valuable. And I don't think that, you know, Carr, Stafford, and Cousins, those guys, I, I think they're the very low end of that spectrum of guys that are going to be on playoff win teams. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And if you're on that spectrum, that matters. The tier where Derek Carr belongs,
0: the Stafford, Cousins, Dalton tier, that's where he belongs based on his performance thus far in the NFL, correct?
1: Yeah, I think so. But but what I'm saying is that tier is very valuable.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Agreed. But if you go to Twitter, you see starting a franchise today, who would you rather have? Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz. The poll is unanimous in favor of Derek Carr over 50 percent. And then the other four quarterbacks get some small percentage of that. How is this possible? I don't understand how we got to a place where NFL fans would rather start a franchise with Derek Carr than Andrew Luck.
1: That would be, that's insane to me. That was on Twitter!
0: That was there? Derek Carr won the poll 54-46 over Andrew Luck. I saw it with my own eyes. I think I retweeted it. It's maddening.
1: All right, that's, yeah, yeah. No, no. no. Can't go there. (laughs) Absolutely not.
0: Thank you. Okay, that's what I'm asking, really, is what the fuck is going on with Derek Carr? That's really the question. It's not, does he deserve money? Of course he deserves money. He's playing the most brutally violent sport in the history of mankind other than maybe UFC. Okay, he deserves lots of money to do that. Agreed. But fuck if he's better than Andrew Locke.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the thing has become... Like hating Andrew Luck is the new loving Andrew Luck. Like that's the thing. That's the thing that you have to go out and do. I, you know, on that list, I might take. I'd probably take Mariota and Winston over Carr. Here's a good one: Marcus Mariota or Andrew Luck? It's still Andrew Luck for me, and I and I'm a Titans fan, so I have a I have the softest of soft spots. For Marcus Mariota, but I do think that what Andrew Luck has done on that team, which I think that offense is going to be even better moving forward, I think that that's really being overlooked what he done for that team, and we saw what happened to them when he was hurt. I mean, is there really any other sign for how you know how good someone is than what happened to them? So I. I think that Andrew Luck, I would take him over Mariota, but yeah, I don't think that. I think we're I think we're having different discussions here. I think that if you think that Carr is as good or maybe even better than guys like Cousins and Dalton, which I think he's probably a little better than that, and he's only what twenty six, so he has room to grow in a very good offense with a very good offensive line and a defense that's getting better, could he be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback? Yeah, Joe Flacco's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. So he could be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback for sure. No doubt. Raiders fans, I absolutely believe Derek Carr is capable
0: of winning a Super Bowl on this Raiders team with an ascending offense and an incredible offensive supporting cast.
1: No, absolutely. And that's the point. And if you are a quarterback that can win a Super Bowl, you deserve a lot of money. You're not Andrew Luck, though.
0: And we also saw the Raiders without Derek Carr. When Connor Cooks, the quarterback, the Raiders have no shot. So Derek Carr is very valuable. He's very good. I just don't think he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback at this point, A, because he hasn't been efficient enough, and B, that team wants to be a running team. They want to leverage the offensive line and run Marshawn Lynch. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed Marshawn Lynch. They signed Marshawn Lynch because that's what they want their identity to be. Just like in Tennessee, when you saw the Titans sign DeMarco Murray, that was a bellwether move. The Titans are going to run the ball. And sure enough, they were one of the league leaders in rush attempts, and they were near the bottom in pass attempts. I think that's what we're gonna see in Oakland again. This is why Marshawn Lynch is very attractive in seasonal leagues, and it's why Derek Carr isn't.
1: Yeah, I I thought I really wanted to transition into it talking about his ADP in fantasy, which at fantasy football calculator it's QB six.
0: Derek Carr's? What? No.
1: That's what I'm saying. No. That's what I'm saying. No, Ray. And I guess we're No, come on. come on i i agree completely that's ahead of russell wilson yes it is god damn you people it's bad it's really bad
0: god this is what i'm talking about see these twitter polls foretell bad fantasy football decisions in the future
1: he was the 13th quarterback in points per game last season with a 500 yard four touchdown game under his belt and i i look at like i look at start worthy games i don't do it based on where they finished in the week i do it based on points because i think that that's more predictive moving forward and he was a quarterback one in 40% of his games last year and that offense there's not much room for growth there. I think they finished seventh in total scoring, sixth in total offense. That offense was really good last season. You mentioned it. They want Lynch to come in and be Latavius Murray and take those touchdowns and maybe more. I, I just don't see it. I really don't see that that kind of upside for Derek Carr. And I'm not I'm not taking him above I'm not taking him above Marcus Mariota if we're talking about that. I'm not taking him above Matthew Stafford if we're talking about that. It's insane to me.
0: You can't have him ranked ahead of The upper echelon running quarterbacks, Newton, Wilson, Mariota, Prescott, and you can't have him ranked ahead of the high pass volume quarterbacks either. You can't have him ranked ahead of Cousins. You can't have him ranked ahead of Rivers and Manning because they'll throw the ball 100 more times than Carwell.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I wouldn't have him ahead of Stafford, who I I know I'm higher than most on. And Stafford. It's the same thing.
0: Every year, the Lions finish in the top 10 in pass attempts.
1: Yeah, it's a long list, and... Like I, I'm looking, I pulled it up again just to make sure I'm not crazy, and I'm looking at fantasy football calculator, and he is the quarterback six, just ahead of Cam Newton and just behind Matt Ryan, which we can talk about <laughs> those two at quarterback five and seven as well. Cam
0: Newton has a 26 fantasy points per game season on his resume. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: No, you're not crazy, Ray. Okay. Fantasy footballers are crazy, and Oakland Raider fans are crazy. Those are the crazy ones. Now talking about redraft ADPs looking at running backs is there a running back whose fantasy ADP you're most pleasantly perplexed by
1: yeah it's it's danny woodhead and it's it's pretty easy for me i uh i love danny woodhead and in PPR leagues he is understandably going a little higher i get it people see him as a passing down back not high enough, though. But not not high enough. I agree. Not but, high enough. But it is a little high. Oh, no. but you can get him in the late single digit rounds in standard <laughs> leagues, and I think that's because people have a have a tilted view of who he is. And I just want to tell people that Danny Woodhead is a red zone weapon. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And he has been a red zone weapon throughout his entire career. But since becoming an offensive fixture with the Patriots in 2010, he has 148 red zone opportunities in 82 games. That's a target or a carry inside the red zone. He has 32 touchdowns over that span, which over that 82 game, if you prorate that, that is more than six a season. and his two full season with the Chargers, he scored eight and nine touchdowns respectively. And you think that the Ravens brought him in and are not going to use him in the red zone? This, like, I love Terrence West, and I think yeah. that it's ridiculous yeah. that Kenneth Dixon's being drafted ahead of Terrence West. But that's a real big problem for West, who was the red zone guy last year, because I think that Woodhead's going to be at this year. And if you get him in the late single digits, I, I think that's stealing.
0: Right, so you like Terrence West. You like the running backs who project to be week one starters. That's the funny thing is in July and August, we think about full season production, full season production, full season production. And then week one rolls around. And as it turns out, we really only care about week one. Week one ends up being really, really important what you could do in week one. That's why I don't understand why Terrence West and Jaquiz Rogers, who project to be starters in week one through three, are not being drafted higher. You can get starter production on prolific offenses in West and Rogers, and then you can move on to another running back if indeed they lose their job. But what happens when Terrence West is wildly
1: successful in the first few weeks of the season. What happens then, Ray? Well, yeah, the the West ones weird to me. I understand Jaquiz Rogers a little bit. I although I have him on a lot of MFL. You have to. Yeah. He's essentially free, and I don't get that at all because three starts is basically a fourth of the fantasy football regular right. season. I have right. It's so confusing. It's very confusing. But on Terrence West, like I said with Woodhead, Terrence West had a lot of value. Even though I don't think he scored many touchdowns, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was the red zone back last year. Yes. And I think that Woodhead's going to come in and steal that, some of that, and I think that that's a concern. But the thing that's confusing about West is that Kenneth Dixon is consistently drafted ahead of him, and Kenneth Dixon is suspended for the first four games wasn't any better than West last year, and you're going to expect him to come in and then just immediately steal all that work from West, which is what he would have to do to become fantasy relevant because Danny Woodhead is still there. And that's deeply confusing to me, and I don't understand why that's happening.
0: Terrence West approached 200 carries last year. 30 were in the red zone. Yeah. 30. And not only that, he had 45 targets. Yeah. He had 45 targets sharing a backfield with Kenneth Dixon, and I don't understand it. I just don't understand... I just don't understand his ADP in any way whatsoever. It's as if he doesn't exist. This assumption that Kenneth Dixon is a far superior player to Terrence West is befuddling to me because West was a third round pick. Dixon was a fourth round pick. They were both dominant running backs at smaller schools. Their profiles are a lot more similar than the ADP would suggest. I would think it would be flipped. Yeah where Terrence West would be the first running back off the board, and then Kenneth Dixon would be viewed as a flyer, but it's the reverse. Yeah. Kenneth Dixon is this surefire starter for the majority of the season, and Terrence West is just a flyer. That's just wrong. It's just wrong. And in addition to that, we have to remember that the Baltimore Ravens have decided that they want to be one of these up-tempo, high-volume offenses. And that's exciting in particular for Danny Woodhead, because even if yeah. he doesn't get the red zone carries, let's just pretend as a hypothetical that red zone Woodhead was very much a San Diego Chargers invention and that the red zone Woodhead incarnation is dead, and that he'll only be used as a proper satellite back. He'll be Theo Riddick plus this season. Well, Theo Riddick Plus was a top 12 fantasy running back on a points per game basis last year, particularly in PPR leagues. And Danny Woodhead has a top five PPR back season on his resume. And yet, on MFL 10s, a PPR format, Danny Woodhead is being drafted after Bilal Powell, Derek Henry, yes, CJ Anderson, who may be cut, Dalvin Cook. Christian McCaffrey, Isaiah Crowell, players on inefficient offenses with uncertain roles are going ahead of Danny Woodhead. It's like there's been this collective amnesia across fantasy football. Does no one remember how good this player was? And now he's going to the team that led the NFL in pass attempts last year. And he is the best satellite back in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey's
1: best case scenario is one day being Danny Woodhead. I love Christian McCaffrey, so I'm not going to say that. But I will say that his best case scenario this year. I'm saying
0: top five PPR running back, a season like Danny Woodhead had had a couple of years ago, that's best case scenario fantasy season for Christian McCaffrey at some point in his career.
1: Absolutely. And it's... It's higher than what his best case is. Yeah. This year, which actually brings me yeah to the guy whose ADP I'm most confused about, which is Christian McCaffrey. Right. On fantasy football calculator is I believe the running back sixteen in standard leagues. He's going in the third round. Huh. In standard leagues, when Panthers coaches. Whoa, whoa, whoa. standard leagues. Hold on, I'm going to bring it up again, because I I have been looking at this ADP lately, and I have been just so perplexed and confused about what's happening with ADP. Let's look at Christian McCaffrey. Fantasy Football Calculator has Christian McCaffrey as the 16th running back at the end of the third round, ahead of Spencer Ware, Carlos Hyde, and uh, in Standard Leagues. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to do with that information. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Christian McCaffrey is the Derek Carr of running backs.
1: So, like, how many times do Panthers coaches have to say that Jonathan Stewart's going to keep his role before we just believe them?
0: I was on this website called RotoWorld.com. You're familiar with that?
1: I've heard of it, yeah.
0: Lead story on RotoWorld this morning Jonathan Stewart to out
1: touch Christian McCaffrey. They've said it multiple times, too. This isn't a new story. They've said it throughout the offseason. Jonathan Stewart's going to keep his role. Jonathan Stewart's going to keep his role. Nobody believes him. They had a chance to cut him. He's making an obscene amount of
0: money this year. He was expected to be cut. He was the number one cut candidate of the running backs this offseason, and they decided to keep him. Why is that? Because they value him. For whatever reason, it's not important, actually. The Carolina Panthers think Jonathan Stewart has incredible ability, and he's worth a lot of money. And if they believe that... You're damn right they're going to give him a significant opportunity share this year.
1: (laughs) Right? It's just... I mean... And I want to be very clear here is that Christian McCaffrey was my number one pick in rookie drafts. I love Christian McCaffrey.
0: He's great! I love Christian McCaffrey! He's amazing! Our college dominator rating on playerprofile.com looking at the college running back's contribution to his offense overall, total yards and touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey accounted for over 50% of Stanford's total yards and touchdowns. That is a mind-boggling number at a Power 5 conference school. You have a couple running backs in the PlayerProfiler.com database that have done that, but it's like Matt Forte at Tulane. The idea that a Stanford running back is going to post a dominator rating that high and then go out and have one of the best agility scores we've seen, he's going to be an epic fantasy producer for the next decade but that doesn't mean you draft him ahead of danny woodhead this year
1: yeah it's exactly that's exactly the point is that he's going to be very good in the future but that doesn't mean that you have to love the shiny new objects right now
0: i want to see the role coalesce don't you don't you want to see them carve out this role next to cam newton this satellite back role one that's never existed in carolina Yep. Cam Newton throws to the running back less than any other quarterback in the NFL. I just want to see it before I invest in it. There is no more speculative ADP in all of fantasy football than Christian McCaffrey's current draft position.
1: Yeah, 100% agree.
0: So we've talked about Danny Woodhead. We've talked about Jonathan Stewart, the aging running back that still has gas left in the tank. A little cliche action. Looking at these 30-year-old running backs, Danny Woodhead, Jonathan Stewart, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, Matt Forte, Darren Sproles. I like almost all these running backs. I think this is the year of the aging running back. Do you concur? And if so, which of those are you most excited about after Danny Woodhead?
1: Well, yeah, that's what I say. Woodhead's the easy answer. I think Stewart's being undervalued as well. I think he's a great value where he's being picked.
0: Jonathan Stewart's ADP. Exemplifies quintessential cognitive dissonance in fantasy football.
1: Yeah, he's he's going to I think he's going to easily outplay his draft position. And so I love him there. I'm still scrolling, I'm still scrolling, I'm still scrolling, I'm still scrolling. On
0: MFL tens, the forty seventh running back off the board nonsense. after
1: Latavius Murray. <laughs> it's nonsense. It's just nonsense. It really is. It's unbelievable how Jonathan Stewart's it's like what? being treated.
0: Latavius Murray's not on the
1: Raiders, folks. He's being drafted after Vikings. Latavius Murray, it's crazy. Um, and I also say Darren Sproles. I was I was much higher on Darren Sproles before Blunt showed up. Because if you look at Darren Sproles, an interesting thing about how he was used in Philadelphia is he scored 14 touchdowns in Philadelphia. Nine have been on red zone rushes, and seven have been on rushes inside the 10 yard line. He was he was used in the red zone, not as much last year as before, but now that Blunt's there, that's not going to happen. So that hurts him, that hurts him for sure. I don't think that maybe you think, oh, LeGarrette Blunt and Darren Sproles are such different players. You don't think it hurts him so much. I do think it hurts Sproles a little bit. But I'll say that the guy in this list that I'm really not interested in at all, aside from Matt Forte, I don't I don't. Give me some below, pal. I don't care about Matt Fortin. Is he still alive? Yeah, I don't. Adrian Peterson is the guy that I think is going too high, and I think that that's going to keep going up, and that really concerns me. Just to provide some context for now on MFL 10s, he
0: is going after Paul Perkins and Doug Martin and Derrick Henry. I think he's a value now, but. I agree with you that a month from now, once the casual fan starts to influence the ADP, it will rise very quickly into the top 20, and that's when he ceases being a value.
1: Yeah, and like I said, cal- and I- Calculator already has him going up there. Oh, and so it's, God. Going to, it's going to happen. Oh, that's my point, is it's going to happen. And, and I completely get it. I want to be very clear in here. I completely get it. The touchdown upside is definitely there in that offense.
0: Touchdown, Adrian Peterson!
1: He is a future Hall of Famer. That is completely... Completely true. He was breathed into life by Zeus to play football and as such does not have to abide by the same aging laws which hold all of us down and deteriorate our bodies. All of that is true. I get that. Man, you really are a writer, aren't you? That was beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you. I, I try. I try. I, I get it. The, the problem is touches, right? He's on a team that likes to throw. He's not good in the passing game. Mark Ingram is. And Mark Ingram is going to get those touches. Alvin Kamara, they brought him in specifically to do one job. And that's jobs the thing that they do most often in passing. Catch the football. I don't see it. And then again, if you're drafting him that early, you're taking a shot on a 32-year-old back who's coming off of a, a knee injury who has to deal with all of those touch concerns. If he's in the top 20, I just I, I can't do it. And I'm not going to take him ahead of Mark Ingram.
0: Yeah, If he's in the top 20, that's Mark Ingram cognitive dissonance. You're pretending Mark Ingram doesn't exist. And Mark Ingram very much does exist. In fact, right now, with Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson going outside the top 24 on MFLs, you could stack them both and ensure you're going to get all the touchdown upside and all the yep. the passing game upside because you can also draft Alvin Kamara very late <laughs> for free. So that's an incredible backfield stack if you're interested now in doing it in June and July, just heed our warning about the Adrian Peterson ADP that is yet to come because we've only heard whispers of positive adrian peterson reports out of
1: training camp it's going to get noisy in new orleans wait until ian Rappaport is on nfl network sitting on the sideline they're not at the green anymore where are they doing it now they're doing it in new orleans maybe he's going to be sitting on the sideline he's going to be talking about everybody's telling me how good adrian peterson looks and just every time every report that adp will just go one spot higher one spot higher be top he'll be top 15 by the time this is all done
0: i just had to bang my head on the microphone a few times just to jar myself back you're exactly right i don't think the new orleans saints can catch up to the miami dolphins in terms of (laughs) positive training camp reports that's a fact that is a documented fact I mean, it seems like everyone in miami is going to be amazing this year so what's going on with the miami beat reports i'm sensing an undercurrent of disbelief at roto world when <laughs> <laughs> oh you picked up
1: on that did yes. you
0: <laughs> commenting on reports from
1: miami beat reporters it's i mean it's really been unbelievable there are Puff Piece All-Stars every year. That happens every single year. But what we're seeing in Miami is just completely out of hand. You know when it started? And I was I was the one writing news when it started. And I remember this very vividly. There's a press conference with offensive coordinator Clyde Christensen in early May, and he just rained sunshine and rainbows on literally every player. Like every offensive player. He was talking up Jermaine Bushrod. Oh no. No. He loved, no, he loved everybody. And from that point on, it's been nothing. It's been nothing but just a positive stream of energy coming from that. And I think that's what it comes from. I think the coaches are, for whatever reason, being super optimistic with the reporters. And they're just eating it up and writing every story they want to.
0: They're reporting it as fact. And yeah. rotor world writers are appropriately skeptical of the sunshine and rainbows about Gerard Bushrod. Or is it Jerome or Gerard? Gerard Jerome Bushrod, who is one of the lowest-ranked guards on Pro Football Focus every single year. So if you had to pick one player on the Miami Dolphins that you think could live up to the sunshines and rainbows raining down on him... During training camp, who's the one guy that you think the reports have some real credibility? I would
1: say Jay Ajahi. I, I, because of what this offense wants to be. Because of what they want to do with Ryan Tannehill. And they want to hide him, which we saw last yes! year. Hide him in his dungeon. <laughs> hide <laughs> him, yes, <laughs> yes!
0: He's Jamie Lannister. That's what we talked
1: about. There you go. We talked about <laughs> it. They got to hide him in the pit. <laughs> cut off his hand. Uh, they, uh, because they want to hide him. I think that Ajah, he, that could really happen. That's right. 1900 yards seems a little crazy, but he was a much better receiver at Boise than he has been early in his career. If they can get him involved in that, I, I do think that that's legit. That would be the one, but I will say, you know, what's really interesting out of all of this. Do you know the guy that you haven't heard about Jarvis Landry? That's the one guy that hasn't been getting the positive reports. It's everyone but Landry. And in fact, it's been negative. There was a negative one that came about him, and that's the only one we have on is that they want to be more focused. They haven't signed him to an extension yet. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Maybe it will, but it doesn't really seem like that's going to happen. He's playing hardball saying, it's not done by week one, we're not doing it. If, if you're drafting Jarvis Landry in the top 20, um, in standard especially, mm. you're going to be very disappointed, mm. I think, with what you get out of him.
0: Mm. That's right, because they're just isn't the pass volume his efficiency went up last year but the fantasy points did not because the pass volume was not there you simply can't get excited about anyone in this dolphins passing game because like you said they want to be a run team it's the same reason you can't get excited about Derek carr the oakland raiders want to be a run team on the other side of the spectrum you have washington washington wants to be a passing team but that's how jay gruden's wired Jay Gruden doesn't want great running backs he just wants a fat Rob out there to hand it off once in a while to check the box but he wants to throw the ball and that's why Kirk Cousins who may technically not be a top 10 quarterback in terms of ability is
1: absolutely a top 10 quarterback. In terms of fantasy you agree yeah absolutely I, I think I have him I guess maybe not absolutely I think I have him 10th but quarterback is very loaded Oh, so loaded after those top four like there is a you could do a lot you could have those next like seven or eight guys ranked in, in a lot of different orders and I wouldn't argue with you when Carson
0: Palmer is the consensus number 18 quarterback you know
1: the position is loaded Absolutely. Yeah, it's loaded. But I mean, you have to look at what their offense was last year. It was a it was a top five offense in total yardage. It was, I think, the third highest in total yardage. It was a top two yardage passing attack. Um, It it was really there. The scoring wasn't as much there because they were bad in the red zone and Kirk Cousins was bad in the red zone. He was the worst in the red zone last year.
0: Absolutely. 46% completion percentage in the red zone is particularly terrible. That was 32nd in the NFL. However, I sense a positive regression coming because the year prior, his red zone completion percentage was 60.7%, which was top 10 in the NFL.
1: And they went out and they got him weapons that should help in that respect. Terrell Pryor should help in that respect. Josh Doxson, if he's healthy, should help in that respect. Jamison Crowder has been... has been oddly so good when Jordan, when Jordan Reed is healthy, he's great. It's, they got him the weapons to be better. So you're going to come in with that same kind of passing attack yardage wise and add some touchdowns to it because they're more efficient in the red zone. We see some of that positive regression. Yeah, he's a quarterback one and I don't know how you see it any other way. If you include tight
0: end in the receiving core and even go beyond that and include the 5'7 Chris Thompson. Yep. Kirk Cousins had by far and away the smallest receiving core in the NFL and you wonder why he didn't have a better red zone completion percentage. Now you give him six for Terrell Pryor. You give him Josh Doxson, who has a 95th percentile catch radius on playerprofile.com. And knows how to use it, which is really important. We are going to see prolific Kirk Cousins this year, and everyone, especially Kean Fahey on Twitter,
1: is just going to have to eat it. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not talking as much about fantasy as he is in real life football and i don't really disagree with him but in fantasy blake bortles can be good he's cherry picking
0: the worst throws from kirk cousins to illustrate a confirmation bias soaked position fuck him oh wow
1: i'm gonna back out of this one hold on he blocked me on twitter if you get blocked on twitter you're allowed to say fuck you are you already blocked all right i'm not blocked yet i haven't joined that list yet So I'll take a step back.
0: I never tweeted at him. He blocked me because another follower of his mentioned me in a tweet that was critical of him. (laughs) That's all that needs to happen to get blocked by that fucking guy.
1: Let me be very clear that I rolled my chair back from the microphone. (laughs) Understood. Understood.
0: Now, Kian Fahey is right up there with Benjamin Albright. Oh, man. That's below the belt goodness i can see the look on your face ray (laughs) this is not a visual medium but i can see the look on your face i'll leave it at that benjamin albright is quote unquote reporting (laughs) that denver has fallen out of love with cj anderson yeah and that there is a chance he's cut before the season starts Is there any validity to this? Because I haven't read a word about it on Roto World,
1: which suggests to me you don't think there's validity, but I want to ask you directly. There's no chance. Like, he's owed $3 million this year. He's not even that expensive. They have Jamal Charles, sure, but what do we know about his knees? The cost against the cap would be exactly
0: $1.7 million. So they could save $1.3 million at a cost of $1.7 million. Doesn't make sense. It whoop D do. Yeah. Only in a TO situation where the player is negatively impacting the locker room could you justify losing money by cutting a player that can contribute to your offense.
1: Yeah, and you're going to destroy even if. So, like, let's say that in this fantasy world, Jamal Charles is completely healthy, which we'll see, and comes in and is Jamal Charles, which again we'll see, and he takes the starting job, and Devontae Booker shows up, who, who I liked coming out of school. I know he's older. But I liked him coming out of school. He comes in and he's better in his second year. And C.J. Anderson falls to third on the depth chart. Still, why would you cut him? Like, why do you kill your depth? Even if Jamal Charles comes in and is Jamal Charles, a guy with documented knee history who is 30 years old, why do you kill your depth by cutting C.J. Anderson? That doesn't make a lick of sense. Does it really matter if you diminish your running back depth? I mean, running backs hardly ever get hurt, Ray. I've never seen a running back hurt on a football field. Ever. (laughs)
0: right. Right, right. And this is the justification for drafting Derrick Henry ahead of Danny Woodhead. Ahead of Danny Woodhead. I'll repeat this. Derrick Henry is currently being drafted on MFL 10s ahead of Danny Woodhead. The thinking is that, well, DeMarco Murray could get hurt. Well, DeMarco Murray could get hurt, but he also probably won't. And if he does, he probably won't miss more than a couple games. DeMarco Murray is a value going after Devontae Freeman, Jay Ajayi, and Jordan Howard on MFL tens. And somehow, some way, there seems to be room for Derrick Henry in the hearts and minds of the sicko diehard fantasy gamer on my fantasy league. And I just don't understand the fascination with Derrick Henry. You're a Titans fan. You didn't like DeMarco Murray last year. You were famously wrong about DeMarco Murray, I will remind you. Famously wrong horribly wrong so what happens now are you one of these secret derrick henry bidders out there who are these people drafting all the derrick henry
1: i don't know and i'm not because there's not a chance i will ever go against Demarco marco <laughs> yes. murray again yes. in my fantasy football career i will make that very clear yes. and the uh yes. it worked for me one year didn't work for me the second spectacularly so we'll, we'll stay away from that fire for a while you let it ride one year too long <laughs> It was not great. But the – I am going back to Doug Martin though. So what are you going to do? Some loves you can't lose I suppose. But on Derrick Henry, I I think that – this would be my general opinion. I think that betting on an injury is a bad fantasy football strategy. And I think if you're drafting Derrick Henry – he's being drafted around Tevin Coleman, right? Yeah like near Tevin Coleman, a guy who we know, even as a secondary running back, can be a running back too. Tevin Coleman is the
0: 20th running back off the board on MFL 10s. And Derrick Henry is the 27th running back off the board.
1: It's closer in some of the standard uh, ADPs I've seen. I guess PPR gives Coleman an advantage. So that I like a little bit better. But still 27th running back. 27th is what are we talking about here? That's over the top. I don't, I'm i not going to bet on injury. He doesn't
0: have a role, Ray. Yep. That's it. That's it. He doesn't have a role. That's it. But there are other running backs being drafted in the same ADP range that absolutely do have roles. Beyond that, they're scheduled for workhorse touches this year. I'm thinking of Spencer Ware and Carlos Hyde. Yeah. What did they do to upset fantasy footballers?
1: I, I don't know. I, I guess Carlos Hyde, he doesn't stay healthy, and so that's that's what everybody says. But again, uh, 12 starts at Carlos Hyde level.
0: They said that about DeMarco Murray,
1: dude. <laughs> I mean, it's it's worth it to me. I So I love Hyde. Spencer Ware, I, I get Spencer Ware a little bit. I like Kareem Hunt. I think he's good. I think he's hashtag good, but he's a small school rookie. Give me a break. There's room in that offense for two. Sure. And Spencer Ware, by the way, is good as well. So I don't quite understand why we've just decided. And we do this. We, we've done it with McCaffrey. We've talked about these players. We decide that these players are going to come in and immediately unseat the other person. We, we just decide that. It's a bizarre
0: assumption to me. And also, Spencer Ware was unlucky last year. Given his role with a 70% opportunity share, top 10 in the league, on a playoff team, he was still only given 27 red zone carries. 27 red zone carries. That's not a lot for a player on that team in that role. He will experience a positive red zone and goal line carry regression this year this is the year to buy Spencer Ware. He's still a value and I can't believe it because I just assumed that last year was the year to get Spencer Ware. And it was. Fantasy gamers have course corrected, yeah. but no, he's still outside the top 20.
1: Okay, I'll draft him. Thank you. Thank you. And can we talk about Joe Williams on the Hyde front? Oh, God. So we know that Tim Hightower was there. Is there, right? You know this is a trigger for me. So Tim Hightower's there, right? We know that. They they brought him in. We know that they paid Kyle Juszczyk, who is essentially a satellite back in, in some respects. They paid— That's right. That's right. That's right. They paid him like a starting running back— And he's, I guarantee you, his catch total will shock people this year. And we're just going to assume that Joe Williams, like, I don't get it. I really don't. And maybe it happens. I'm not saying there's a, I'm not saying that it's impossible for that to happen. But if I'm taking bets on what's going to happen in that backfield, it's not going to be on Joe Williams.
0: Yeah. Over, under, zero touches (laughs) for Joe Williams this year. I mean, go fuck yourself. Joe Williams, zombies. Zombies.
1: Just taking shots at everybody.
0: I'm triggered. I, I have established <laughs> it on this show. Joe Williams is a trigger word for me. I will become unhinged if anyone mentions <laughs> the name Joe Williams because he had the most ridiculous Dynasty rookie draft ADP I've ever seen. Well,
1: Josh Ferguson might have something to say about that.
0: Well, He's being drafted well ahead of where Josh <laughs> Ferguson was being drafted last year. There you go. And they will have the same role, which is no role. <laughs> But I could be wrong. I mean, last year I had you on the show and I was famously wrong about Isaiah Crowell. I mean, I'll own that. I was very wrong about Isaiah Crowell. In fact, I believe if we go back to the video log that I was.
1: Say the name. Say the name.
0: (laughs) On record saying Terrell Watson was a better (laughs) player than Isaiah Crowell, which looking back, wow, was that embarrassing. (laughs) But I just saw Isaiah Crowell get drafted in the second round of an mfl 10 this is a browns running back the browns are supposed to win four and a half games according to las vegas bookmakers how the hell is isaiah crowell being drafted in the second round is that a blip on the radar or is this going to be like adrian peterson a player that just rises like a helium balloon up the adp rankings
1: i really can't get a feel on crowell I think the second round is very aggressive. I'm going to say that that's way, way aggressive.
0: Ah, yes, this is my favorite. The euphemisms used by those that are fans of the player. There you go. I love Isaiah Crowell. I won't say that any ADP is ridiculous, but that's that's second
1: round is pretty there aggressive. There you go. That's pretty There aggressive. you go. You found my euphemism. I'm going to keep saying it, though. It's aggressive. <laughs> it's aggressive, yes. But you know what's funny? But if you didn't like the player, oh, that's absurd! Absolutely. No, you're 100% right. <laughs> That's what this is all about, right? That's how we... That's right. I, yes. It's all rhetoric. There you go. I, uh, so what I'll say is I am generally fine this year, and I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. I want you to know that I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say. I am generally fine in betting on the Browns offense this year. It's incredible. I have no idea how that happened. Best. That offensive line, especially if Petonio comes back healthy, so good. is going to be good. So good. Could be a top five run blocking unit. Absolutely. Britt is a solid replacement for Pryor. Hugh Jackson is still Hugh Jackson. And I'm Team Kaiser. And so when I look at all of those things, I'm okay betting on this offense. And while I wouldn't take him in the second round, I would take Isaiah Crowell at the end of the third round. And that's, I agree that it's a little bit crazy.
0: (laughs) I can't wait for all the mainstream fantasy analysts to exhibit shock and horror at the Browns' inevitable winning streak this year. Whatever it is, two, three games they might string together. Yeah, It will create havoc among mainstream football analysts. They won't see it coming, but those of us that have been following the Browns' offseason moves, we all see this coming. It's clear they're getting better fast.
1: Absolutely. Let's just not look at Crowell, who Crowell is the guy that has the chance to go at his ceiling, which is not something you want to do in fantasy is draft a guy at the ceiling. But let's look at the other right. guys. Kenny Britt is dramatically undervalued.
0: Screaming value.
1: Corey Coleman, who can't stay healthy, and that's a concern. But his ADP is, is way down there, as, as I recall from the mocks I've seen. So I, I'm OK betting on this offense. And I do it. There's not a chance that I would have thought I would say that a year ago. But that's where we are at this point. It's exciting. I'm a Browns fan. I am.
0: This podcast is an officially sanctioned podcast by the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they pay my salary. <laughs> I mean, we are. This is like state radio for the Cleveland Browns.
1: You're on that Sashi money train.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely in the tank for the Cleveland Browns. Now, we talked about players we've liked and players we didn't like the last couple of years. Who's the player that you hated two years ago but you now appreciate well I know who yours is mine's Jamison Crowder because I did not think Jamison Crowder projected to be a starter at the NFL level to me he looked like a special teamer coming out of Duke and I've been pleasantly surprised that he's now following that Wes Welker career path going from punt returner to slot flanker target hog du jour so I'm very much excited about Jamison Crowder's ceiling because most people don't consider the slot receiver as being a high ceiling role. I think some of the highest ceiling players in the NFL that are underappreciated at this moment are slot receivers, but who's the guy that you were rolling your eyes at two years ago and you're now drafting?
1: Well, I think that that Crowder would have been mine too, but I'll give a He's he could lead the league in catches. That is not outside the realm of possibilities by any stretch of the imagination. Crowder, Crowder, Crowder could. Yeah, no, he could. Absolutely, I'm with you.
0: Absolutely, yes. Thank you for saying that. Thank
1: you. So I, so he would have been mine, but I'll go. out I'll go out and I'll say Tevin Coleman, who I I still think has limitations as a pure running back. I still think if the coaching takes a dip, we could see that. But his ability to make big plays in space is really oh, special.
0: God. So explosive.
1: Oh, my God. And as long as Sarkeesian is able to keep doing what they're doing, and we talked about his ADP earlier, which is just too low. It's just too low. I think that I think that Coleman is a player that I, I very much underestimated.
0: Yeah, I think his ADP is fair because he's in a timeshare. I sure. think that Devontae Freeman's ADP is aggressive. <laughs> aggressive. There <laughs> right? we go. Aggressive. In the first round, I think they should be closer to a convergence. Sure. But because that entire offense was so efficient last season, fantasy gamers are understandably enthusiastic about both players. It's just, it's not possible to sustain that level of efficiency. So if you project an efficiency regression, then I think the Tevin Coleman ADP is in line with where it should be. And the Devontae Freeman ADP should come down a bit. So we talked about slot receivers earlier. Who's a better value at this moment for you? Is it Willie Sneed or Golden Tate?
1: Um, so let me first say, I really like Snead, but I think that Tate is the answer. And I, I took it, we were talking about the wrong things we talked about last year. You and I talked about Golden Tate versus Marvin Jones last year, and I looked really good through three weeks. And then it you did, I was sending you tweets where I was in a coffin. Remember? And then it, then it turned on me a little bit. We could say, um, and so, yeah, I expected the Jones breakout to happen. It didn't after the first four weeks. And what's interesting about Tate is that you look at last season, which was which was a good season, especially if you look at in comparison to his ADP right now, it was a good season.
0: And in comparison to
1: other wide receivers, because it was a down season for wide receivers. Absolutely. But if you look at if you look at that year, there's room for upside here. He saw 17 red zone targets both in 2015 and 2016. He caught six of them in 2015. He caught one of them in 2016. Those targets I don't think are going to go away. I kind of thought they would when Marvin Jones showed up. They didn't, even with Anquan Bolden there taking up a lot of targets. I think he had the fourth most red zone targets. There's upside there for Tate on touchdowns.
0: Isn't he a hundred catch player without Anquan Bolden?
1: Yes. I think that I think that Ebron's gonna benefit as well. Yes, very much so, right? But I think that Tate is is a hundred catch guy who could get to six or seven touchdowns and, and that's value. And that's not to say anything against, you know, Willie Sneed. Being the number two pass catching option in New Orleans gets you a lot of targets and a lot of fantasy success. But I think that Tate's the answer there. And Tate will get more
0: slot snaps than Willie Sneed. I called Willie Sneed a slot receiver. He's really not. He's more of a proper NFL flanker. He will be operating in the intermediate zones of the football field. And as I've said, it shouldn't shock anyone when Willie Sneed outperforms Michael Thomas this year. It's unlikely, but it's not absurd. Because Willie Sneed is incredibly talented and he has a rapport with Drew Brees that will be difficult for Michael Thomas to match. You look at golden tate he's going to get more slot snaps that means more volume and it's interesting when you look at golden tate he's one of these rare talents in the nfl every year the top of the league in yards after the catch yeah and yards after the catch is highly unstable year to year most players oscillate wildly with their yards after the catch every year because there's a lot of randomness that goes into accumulating yards after the catch you get a defender falling down all of a sudden that's an extra 40 yards on a play that you maybe in another situation you would have accumulated five well every single season the top five yards after the catch there's golden tate and if i had to pick one virtue of jarvis landry it's that jarvis landry jamison crowder golden tate just a handful of wide receivers in the NFL that are consistently finishing near the top of the league in yards after the catch per target. So while Jarvis Landry's target depth is near the bottom of the league, his yards per reception ends up being around average because he's able to roll up yards after the catch so consistently. And you see the same with Golden Tate with that 8.0 yards per target and 11.8 yards per reception, despite being league bottom in target depth
1: yeah and it's those it's those punt return skills which i'm starting to when i look at wide receivers in college i'm starting to take into more account i did not value them as much as i should have in the past but we've seen players in crowder we talked about we were wrong on him tyler lockett is that that in some respects although when you know he's been hurt but you look at these punt return skills and the way that offenses are running in the nfl now they translate to receivers, not for Tavon Austin, but for every other player, they translate. Oh, God. Just... <laughs> they translate.
0: Just a gratuitous takeout of Tavon Austin. That was just like my gratuitous takeout of Kean Fahey.
1: Again, backed away. Pushed my chair away.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love talking about slot receivers because their upside is not appreciated. If you want to talk about upside on Washington... The consensus just bull rushes Terrell Pryor in the conversation. But that's wrong. It's not Terrell Pryor. Jamison Crowder has the most upside because he has the ability to lead the league in receptions in a way that Terrell Pryor could never, and, and command a target share, that Terrell Pryor could never come close to commanding. Now, give me that one possession receiver that's available at the end of drafts that you think could be this year's Jamison Crowder.
1: Well, he's not a slot receiver. I want to make that clear. But I think Robert Woods is one of those guys simply based on target volume. And I... I
0: Well, that's it. See, he would be a slot receiver on another team, but because he's on the Rams who only have other slot receivers in the wide receiver core... That's right. He'll end up operating as the primary option.
1: Yeah, and he's going to get the targets. Like, who else are they going to give them to? Tavon? Cooper Cup? Like, Josh Reynolds? I like Josh Reynolds, but he's a rookie. Uh, Gerald Everett, rookie tight ends. You're going to give him a lot of targets? Tyler Higby? No, man. It's just not going to happen. It's Robert Woods. It's Robert Woods. It's Robert Woods! And if you get 100 targets in the NFL as a wide receiver, you're almost guaranteed to finish as a top 36 wide receiver. It just, It's really that way. And he could get 125. He could be the new version of Pierre Garçon, in, in McVay's offense. And that that means that he's valuable if you're picking him with the last pick. And even deep leagues, you're getting him that late. So I, I think that Robert Woods— yeah,
0: There's upside there. People don't think of Robert Woods as having upside in the final rounds of a draft, but he absolutely does. Absolutely. Cole Beasley absolutely does. Cole Beasley only logged a 60% snap share and still posted over 800 receiving yards and was a top 40 fantasy wide receiver. If they choose to run more three receiver sets in Dallas this year, whether it's because of game flow or game plan, then Cole Beasley's production would pop in that case. Because when he's on the field, he commands targets. His hog rate, targets per snap, 16.3% that was top 10 in the NFL last season for Cole Beasley.
1: And I'll say that he was not fantasy viable down the stretch, but we've since found out that he was dealing with an injury. We've since found out that he was dealing with an injury. After week 11 through 11 weeks, he was the wide receiver 25. In standard, not in PPR. So we are... I think you're right about that. I I am concerned because we did see that fall off in the end of season. And sometimes injuries can just be a nice catch all for why something happened. Maybe they moved. Maybe they changed the offense. Maybe Dez certainly came on then. So maybe that's what happened. They were just winning a lot of games and handing the ball off a lot. In those game situations, Cole Beasley wasn't on the field, but that could change. And Cole Beasley's free. Like, that's the bigger point here is that it doesn't matter. If you get through two weeks and it's not happening, cut him and add another person. You're not talking about a fourth-round pick. Slot
0: receivers can have incredible upside in the right situation. Period. Period. Now you talked about Eric Ebron earlier. Is it go time for Eric Ebron?
1: I think so, and it's not a you know it's not a HAWT hot take uh, because I think that everybody <laughs> thinks that it's go time for <laughs> Eric Ebron. Really?
0: Yeah, and so Matthew Barry doesn't. Oh, he doesn't. No, Matthew Barry is not buying it because he believes. There was a rational Eric Ebron exuberance in 2015, followed by irrational Eric Ebron exuberance in 2016. Accurate. And he's been burned twice and he's not going to be burned again.
1: I, as i talked about demarco murray earlier i understand that completely but what i'll say about i actually don't understand
0: it because the fact that other analysts were hyping a player yeah. doesn't impact
1: my analysis or my projections in any way whatsoever sure i was the one that was wrong on demarco murray so that hurts my soul but the uh, <laughs> you're still talking about demarco murray <laughs> i can't stop it hurts my soul love it but the uh, but what i'll say is this is that opportunities and targets matter at tight end as much as they matter anywhere. And if we're looking at Eric Ebron, you're looking at a guy with legit 100 target upside. And if you finish with 100 targets at tight end, you're almost a lock to finish in the top 10. Yeah, you're a made man you're a made man like the the only guy who had 100 targets last year who didn't finish in the top 10 or the top eight even was dennis pitta and that was because he had that was weird
0: that was the weirdest outlier season you you finished number one in the league in receptions and you're not a top 10 fantasy tight end yeah a strange outlier lack of red zone usage that crippled dennis pitta
1: yeah absolutely and i'm not going to use that against eric Ebron. sorry that's a really bad word choice Oh yeah, ooh, that was rude.
0: Wow. If Dennis Pitta or your, if Dennis Pitta's family is listening, I apologize for that. That was that was wrong. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, that was wrong. That was dead wrong.
1: We're talking about Ebron. He had a sixteen point seven target share percent target share when he was on the field. If you go over 16 games, that had given him 99 targets. And that was with Anquan Bolden eating up targets in the slot. If he stays on the field, and by the way, that's a huge if for him always. If he stays on the field, he's going to be on a 100-target pace. And if he gets hurt, you cut him and you find another tight end. I really don't see the downside. Like a pack
0: of hyenas. I love to envision Theo Reddick, Eric Ebron, and Golden Tate just surrounding
1: the The Lions. That makes sense.
0: The Anquan Bolden target share corpse. Yeah. In the middle of the Serengeti, just feasting on all those targets. All those vacated targets. Just yum, 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 yum. You more targets for me. I'll take twenty targets. I'll take twenty more targets too. They're you know, licking their fingers. Delicious. Delicious. Yum. So we talked about late round wide receivers, ideally underappreciated slot receivers. Your late round quarterback du jour, I'm assuming, is Matthew Stafford.
1: Yeah, if he qualifies as late round, I, I'll go with him. I Here's the thing about Matthew Stafford.
0: He is a late round quarterback. That's what we're, we're talking about. He's being drafted outside the top 12 quarterbacks because it's a loaded position. Absolutely. So he's being pushed into the later rounds despite... Twenty fantasy
1: points per game when he's healthy and been with Jim Bob Cooter, he has been a top eight fantasy quarterback. You for a twenty-game stretch from the bye week in twenty fifteen. Talking about twenty games here, and this is an arbitrary because this is with Cooter and before he hurt his. I know it's funny, and before <laughs>
0: I just can't. I'm sorry, the Cooter that was so juvenile. I'm
1: over thirty years old. It's still funny. And then before he hurt his finger against Chicago. So we're talking about not an arbitrary thing before the energy injury and with the offensive coordinator, it was 20 games. All right. He completed 68.3% of his passes. He threw for 270 yards a game. He tossed 40 touchdowns against just seven interceptions, and Whoa. he had 19.6 Whoa. fantasy points per game over that span. Whoa! No arbitrary cutoffs. Repeat, no arbitrary cutoffs
0: by Raymond Sutherland in compiling those statistics.
1: I I, I feel like there are. I feel like there's really important start and end point there that when you look at it. You're, t- sure. you're talking about a guy who would have been the quarterback six last year, and it's over a 20 game stretch. I, I just, he's a top 10 quarterback, and I, I can't see it any other way. I'm not going to say where I have him ranked. Where do you have him ranked? Playerprofiler.com forward slash player dash rankings. If you-, you want to see where we have
0: Matthew Stafford ranked, this interview is going exceptionally well. It's not contentious like the last time, and I do not want to. Tell me where you got him. Even entertain the possibility of a disagreement on a player. We're going straight to the late round tight end of choice. You have
1: to tell me where you have him.
0: I have him ranked number sixteen. So
1: and let me let me say something here. I think you're wrong, but I understand. <laughs> I, but I understand because I I really feel like and I, I'm not I'm being completely genuine at this. What
0: do you want me to do? What do you want you want me to have him below Prescott? What do you want me to do?
1: I'm being very genuine about this. From quarterback five to quarterback. 15 almost it's such a jumbled mess that if you if you move a guy up i end up moving a guy up i say that guy's too low i end up moving a guy up and then i look at another guy and say well now that guy's too low manning
0: got brandon marshall in the offseason philip rivers his wide receiver core is
1: loaded it's very difficult Absolutely. ranking these quarterbacks from 8 to 18 is incredibly difficult which is why you shouldn't take one in the first 10 rounds of your draft <laughs> thank you they're all the same.
0: Whatever. Similar problem with the tight ends, but some news came across the Roto-World Newswire. And it seems like no one in fantasy football processed it. Jason Witten signed a four-year contract. That was so weird. This offseason, this offseason, and again with the cognitive dissonance, it's like he doesn't exist anymore.
1: It's so weird. I don't know how, why he signed that deal. I assume it was for cap reasons. Here's my problem with Witten. Tight end is about touchdowns, has become about touchdowns. And he has, what, three each of the last two years? Like, yes, it's bad. it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. You're like,
0: oh, regression. But at some point, you can't regress. You're retired.
1: And I mean, in PPR, it's much better. He's like the low-rent Kyle Rudolph in PPR for much cheaper. And so I, I get yeah, that completely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. in standard, it's tough. I If I was going in standard, I'm going to go with Julius Thomas, which is funny. Ooh, another Dolphin Puff Piece player. The thing about Thomas is... So they they keep saying double digit touchdowns. Well, yeah, we'll see about that. But the touchdown upside <laughs> is there. I mean, I think if you go and look at who scored their touchdowns last year, I think that Deion Sims and Jordan Cameron combined for like a fourth of the passing touchdowns. It was really a crazy number. That's Julius right, Thomas right. is is better than those guys. I would have to go out of the limb and say when he's healthy. And so, eh. Mm. But he did score touchdowns with Adam Gaze. And if I'm taking a shot and he gets hurt in week three, again, I spent a, what, 13th round pick on him. I'll go and find another tight end. All
0: right, last question. I'll get you out of here on this. Who's that wide receiver who's been in the league for many years Mm. but hanging around rosters and you still qualify for truth or status on him? That's easy.
1: Kendall Wright. Ah, no one says Kendall Wright. He fell out of favor in Tennessee because of locker room stuff. That was exclusively what happened in Tennessee. He couldn't get along with the coaching staff. And by the way, now he's with John Fox, so that might not be the best fit in the world. (laughs) No! (laughs) But when he was given the targets, even on a team that— when he was actually getting targets, had terrible quarterback play. We're talking about oh, Matt Hasselback and Jake Locker and Zach Mettenberger when he was really getting targets. Like, that's what <laughs> uh, that's what we're talking about with, with quarterbacks. He was still consistently a dangerous red zone weapon. He still caught, I think, around 64% of his targets. He has a real shot to earn the number three job in Chicago, which, you know, that's not saying much, but it's there. I think Which could be the number two job as soon as Kevin White is and demoted. And it gets hurt again or whatever he does. So I think that Kendall Wright White is a good wide receiver and i i don't know if that is a i don't know if that is a widely held opinion
0: anyone that's questioning our projections for Jamison crowder for example you're too bullish on jameson crowder you guys are crazy lead the league in receptions what are you talking about yes the slot receiver has unappreciated upside because i know this because i once saw kendall Wright
1: command 140 targets and didn't he catch like eight touchdowns that year wasn't that it was eight touchdowns wasn't it no that year he only had two
0: touchdowns but he caught six touchdowns the following (laughs) year which was great good for
1: him I mean he's interesting player go look at his red zone conversion rates again with Jake Locker and Zach Mettenberger go look at his red zone conversion rates it really is an interesting player He is the prototypical volume slot receiver
0: in the NFL. His profile looks strikingly similar to Julian Edelman's. He is the best comparable player for Julian Edelman on playerprofiler.com, and he's only 27 years old. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to imagine Kendall Wright in that number two wide receiver chair for the Chicago Bears. Again, 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 again. We need to appreciate the slot receiver.
1: we need to appreciate the slot receiver I want to be very clear. I'd have been the one you'd have been preaching to two years ago because I didn't. But now I'm, I'm completely on board. NFL is changing. We need to change with it. Show's
0: over, right? That was it. I kind of didn't really do a good job, but... We need to appreciate slot receivers once and for all!
1: Start with the Mad Dog in with Braveheart.
0: They can take a lands... They can take our women. They can take our children. But they'll never take our slot receivers. A strange outlier lack of red zone usage that crippled Dennis Pitta. All those vacated targets. Yum 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 Delicious, delicious, yum! Latavius Murray's not on the Raiders, folks. He's being drafted after Vikings. Latavius Murray, Crowder, Crowder could. No, he could. I'm with you. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> right. It's like they could do whatever they want with the format, but there's no way they could. They could like change the the reality of who's good. I think the four points for pass touchdowns just cheesy.
1: I don't quite get it. I don't quite understand the motivation behind it. It's
0: really arbitrary,
1: right? Why not three point five? <laughs> right? I mean, why not? Why? Why four? I don't know. Why not four and a half? Not caring if you're wrong is a really good first step.
0: Right? Yes. Have conviction. And at the end of the day, if you're wrong, it's fucking fake football. You can see the old grandpa fantasy football analyst being like. I was wrong about a bunch of things. Uh, Luckily, it was fake. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I have these fake buzzard messages where I write to myself, essentially, on the show sheet and pretend I'm a listener. Because the listeners don't bother holding me accountable for some of these wrong takes, so I have to hold myself accountable. I have to craft a fake buzzard message and go, hey, you were wrong about this guy. But the audience wants to celebrate the correct calls. The audience wants dance parties. You know what, a commentary on the human condition? I have to say that being a podcast host has been positively enlightening because yes, on Twitter you're gonna have trolls and on social media, in particular YouTube, you're gonna have trolls, but the actual audience that's not
1: the drive-by troll, they gravitate toward the positivity. That, that's not a problem I have. I've already been hit by freezing cold takes.
0: Oh my God, I send stuff to freezing cold takes. I go CC freezing cold takes sometimes when I'm wrong and they never pick it up. They, they haven't acknowledged my existence. They don't believe I'm a real person yet. I was sending you tweets where I was in a coffin, remember? On record saying Terrell Watson was a better player than Isaiah Crowell, which looking back,
1: wow, was that embarrassing that I let it get under my skin and I'm like, you're such an idiot, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's the part that upset me. The next thing you know,
0: you're stepping on one of these Mad Online bear traps and you're like, how the hell did I get here? You're in the woods and finally you decide just to sit down and you know that it's futile. You cannot escape. Your leg is pinned. And at that moment, you sit down, you take a breath and you just, you stop pulling on it. And at that point, your leg comes
1: free. And you got mad on Twitter, which you shouldn't get mad on Twitter. That's what Facebook is for. Everybody knows that you get mad on Facebook, not on Twitter. That's just a fact. It's harder to get
0: mad on Twitter because you have to do those dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Or
1: one of seven. (laughs) Exactly. Threads are my least favorite. It's the most pretentious thing in the world a thread is. Those people always have verified accounts too. You should get your verified account stripped
0: if you do one of these one of eight, one of nine Twitter threads. The audience, they want good things to happen and they want jokes. They get the show and they get that this is a game that's layered on top of another game, fantasy football. So probably not something we should be taking too seriously. And when you have thousands of people that are like-minded and feel the same way, that's fucking magic. You want more news from us, but seriously, there just isn't a lot here. I love the Cody Latimer one, like that's that's so great.
1: I wrote that, I, I was just searching, just searching.
0: This is clearly one where you guys are trying to like deliver, right? Yeah, it's perfect, I love it. We're so quick to forget the enthusiasm that surrounded and enveloped these players, but people really loved Cody Latimer. If you have like the Cody Latimer, but also small school production, those guys become really tricky. Those are the guys that I get fooled by the most. For example, if some NFL team had picked Krishan Hogan in the fifth round, just hoisted me up a flagpole. And then I'll just be up there and and then
1: it'll, it'll get dark out. And I'm like, can you take me down now? The Zoloff wears off. That's what happened when Aaron Jones was taken in the fifth round, because I'm in love with Aaron Jones, and I didn't expect him to be taken that early. I don't even know this, but you love D'Angelo Henderson, don't you? Oh, I love him. Love D'Angelo.
0: He's so little and compact and fast. It's a goddamn pain in the ass. I got to do podcasts. you the pod father. I'm not the book father. He was breathed into
1: life by Zeus. Man, you really are a writer, aren't you? That was beautifully said. And he just rains sunshine and rainbows on literally every player. Like, every offensive player. He was talking up Jermon Bushrod. Because of what they want to do with Ryan Tannehill. And they want to hide him, which we saw last year. Hide him in his dungeon.
0: He's Jamie Lannister. That's what we talked about. Jay Gruden doesn't want great running backs. He just wants a fat Rob out there. Everyone... Especially Kian Fahey on Twitter is just going to have to eat it. Fuck him. Kian Fahey is right up there with Benjamin Albright.
1: Oh, man, that's below the belt. Goodness. You were famously wrong about DeMarco Murray. Famously wrong. Horribly wrong.
0: That's it. He just doesn't have a role. That's it. Yeah, over, under, zero touches for Joe Williams this year. I mean, go fuck yourself, Joe Williams. Zombies. <laughs> He's being drafted well ahead of where Josh Ferguson was being drafted last year. And they will have the same role, which is no role. Ah, what, yes.
1: Because it's with Cooter. It's with Cooter. It's with Cooter. Ah, what,
0: yes. Kian Fahey is right up there with Benjamin Albright.
1: Oh, man, that's below the belt. Goodness. He was breathed into life by Zeus.